Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve Him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. I know it's hard to believe, but um, Thanksgiving is here in just a couple of weeks. Can you believe that? Have you bought your turkey yet? No? Okay, that's all right. You still got some time. Um, but uh, here in just a couple of weeks, uh, we are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And so I wanted to do just a short series for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I want to talk about our attitude. Attitude. Um, I, I know y'all don't really need this because everybody here has a good attitude. Amen? Everybody has a good attitude all the time. You don't ever need what we're going to talk about this morning. So this may be more for me than it is for you, but uh, I don't know about Y'all may have a good attitude, but I, I often find myself having a bad attitude. Anybody relate? Okay, so maybe I wasn't exactly right on y'all always having a good attitude, but um, I, I fucking find myself having a bad attitude sometimes. You know, um, something bad happens. Ugh! Right? Um, or, or somebody does something hurtful towards me. <sighs> or, or we can just look around at the stuff that's happening in our world and some of the horrific happenings and the things that are going on, and we can say, not again. Anybody get my drift on that? Amen? Uh, it is very easy, friends, for life to get us down. It is very easy for our attitude to get on the wrong side of where it needs to be, friends. We can even get mad at God sometimes when life doesn't go the way we want it to. What I want to talk about this morning is, is there a way to rise above it all? Is there a way to live above um, that negative, complaining spirit that can so easily overtake us? You know, we can't keep bad things from happening. Have you learned that yet? We can't keep bad things from happening, but is there a way to maintain our sanity in the midst of it all? Can we reclaim a right spirit within us and maintain a good attitude no matter what happens? Well, friends, guess what? I believe there is. I believe there is. That's what we're going to talk about this week and next. This morning, we're going to look at a passage here in Romans chapter 3. We're going to look and we're going to kind of, we're going to discover some truths that um, not only must we learn, listen, today is not just an intellectual exercise, because my guess is that most of you here, many of you here already know the truths we're going to talk about this morning. Um, It's not just an intellectual exercise, friends. Uh, What we're going to talk about this morning is uh, these truths that we're going to talk about, um, I want you to absorb them into your being. I want you to embrace them and let them become part of your fabric. Because you know what the devil tries to do? The devil tries to come along and he tries to convince us of things that are not true for us. And sometimes those are, are, we think of the devil always trying to convince us of bad things, but sometimes the devil comes along and he tries to convince us that, you know what, you're not that bad a person. You're pretty good. And so we can kind of think, you say, well, why would the devil convince us of that? Well, because the devil wants to convince us of that so we don't get to where we need to be with God. 
And so this morning, I want to share with you three simple truths. Uh, I want you to hang in there for all three of them, okay? So you can't go to the bathroom during the third one, or you're going to kind of miss out, all right? So you got to hold it. you got to hang in there with me, all right? And the, the, all the kids, most of the kids are gone, so uh, I'm talking to you adults, okay? And so, but, but here's the deal. you got to hang in there because the first couple of truths seem like we're headed down a negative trail, but you got to hang in there for number three, okay? So take your outline this morning, if you will. Uh, number one, here's the first truth, friends, that we must latch on to, that we must, we must incorporate into the very fabric of our being to get a proper perspective on life and to get a proper attitude, and that is this, friends. It is the depth of our depravity. The depth of our depravity. Uh, in case you're not familiar with that word depravity, it really just simply means our sinfulness, our, 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 the depth of, of, of our, uh, you know, we think we're, we're good people, but the scripture talks about us in a different way. It says we are sinful human beings. Um, the problem that most of us have with our attitude is that when something bad happens, we think we deserve better. I don't deserve this. Uh, how dare God allow something bad happen to me? Um, with all I've done, as good a person as I've been, uh, as many times as I've been to church, I went to church Sunday. How could God allow this happen to me? It's like we think we're doing God a favor sometimes. Or that we think that God ought to applaud us for the measly efforts that we do. I kind of got quiet for a minute. I don't know. I told you, this, this first part's going to be a little rough, all right? So you've got to hang in there with me, okay? But here's the deal. Um, we, think that we're not, we think we're not that bad. We think, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. But the Bible paints a very different picture of, our, of who we are, uh, who we are at the core. And we're going to look in Romans chapter 3 this morning. And, and, and already in the letter, this letter to the Romans, Paul has laid out a case for, um, to show that both that, that Jews, those chosen people of God, you know, the, the Jewish nation and Gentiles, which simply means non-Jews, all those who are not Jews, to show that both Jews and Gentiles um, are, are sinners and stand condemned before God. Um, in verse 1 of chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, you can see that Paul asks a rhetorical question here that he then answers himself. He says, um, listen, if, if, if Jews... If being a Jew doesn't save you, if being a Jew means you're just as sinful as others, then what advantage then has the Jew? What advantage then has the Jew? Listen, Pastor, aren't they God's chosen people? Uh, verse 2, Paul says, there is an advantage to being a Jew, much in every way, certainly, uh, chiefly, excuse me, he says, because to them were committed the oracles of God or the word of God. What advantage does it have to being a Jew? They got blessed with being a part of the nation that God delivered his word to. Here's my word, okay? Some people say, well, how come the Jews are the chosen nation? What does that mean? It means that God chose that through the nation of Israel, he would reveal himself to mankind. First, in his word and, and through his Old Testament and through the prophets, and ultimately in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came as a Jew, but he was so much more than a Jew, amen? He was God in the flesh. And so uh, the, the Jews have the, the benefit because to them were committed the oracles of God. If anybody should know, should have, have accepted God's truth and his Messiah, it should have been the Jews. Amen? But then uh, he gets down in verse 9, to the text we're going to be in today, he asks another question. 
I believe it's kind of based on that. There's a couple different theories exactly what he's saying here. In verse 9, it says, What then? Are we better than they? Now, some would say by we, Paul means we Jews. Saying then, uh, because the Jews were delivered to the oracle of God, does that mean the Jews are better than Gentiles? Well, he says, not at all. Um, others would say that by we, Paul means we, Christ, we Christians. Are we Christians better than Jews and Gentiles? Paul says, again, whichever way you want to take that, he says, not at all. Look at what he says. He says, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Friends, in other words, he says it doesn't matter who we are. Jew, Gentile, whether you are American, whether you are, uh, have other heritage, doesn't matter who you are, friends. We all are sinners under the curse. Now, Paul goes on to kind of back up what he's saying with a, a litany of scriptures. And he starts kind of with a conglomeration of, of, of scriptures here from Psalm chapter 14 and, and, and Psalm 53. Uh, but he begins to lay out what scripture says about us as mankind. Because here's why this is so important, friends. Our world today... Our modern world today says this. It says that, friend, you're a good person. And that all you need to do is keep the bad influences out and you will blossom. That's what modern philosophy says to us. I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to know that that is not true. And I'm not talking about as I look at you. I'm talking about as I look at me. Can anybody relate to that? Um, I, I look at me and I say, nobody had to taught me, nobody had to teach me to be selfish. I just kind of naturally knew how to do that, amen? <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I naturally knew how to grab something and say, mine! I naturally knew when, when somebody hit me to hit them back. <laughs> Those are the things that come naturally. And so, look at what the scripture says here. Verse 10, uh, Paul says, as it is written. Okay, these are uh, 10 through 18. These are all quotes from various verses in the Old Testament. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, some of you say, what does that that word righteous mean, pastor? The word righteous simply means there's no one that is right with God. There's no one um, who is who is on a, on, on a plane where God can accept him on his own merit. There is no human being other than Jesus Christ himself that is there. There is none righteous, no, not one. Look, it says there's none who understands. Friends, listen, none of us can truly grasp God's righteousness. We can, none of us can truly grasp his standard of righteousness. You know, that's why we constantly think we're not that bad. Because we have a hard time with that. It goes on to say, there is none who seeks after God. Friends, all we know how to do is to seek our own interests. You say, but pastor, what about this seeker movement? What about, what about those in other countries? What about Buddha, Gandhi? They were seeking truth, right? You know what they were seeking? Mankind, when he quote unquote seeks God, is simply seeking a way to soothe his conscience. A way to find peace in his inner soul. He's not really seeking God, friends. God is the one who seeks us. Amen? It goes on here. He says, 
Verse 12, they have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. Friends, we, we, we don't have a problem doing things our own way. Amen? Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We know how to go that way. We know how to do, put ourselves on the throne of our life, and we know how to do what we want to do. It says, together they have become unprofitable. Um, uh, the word, it can even mean sour or spoiled. I'm not spoiled, Pastor. Okay. There is none who does good, no, not one. You say, Pastor, there's plenty of good things that are done in our world today. Friends, there are plenty of good things that are done, humanly speaking. But we cannot be the ultimate moral agents of good according to God's standard that he calls us to on our own. He goes on in the indictment here in verse 13. He says, their throat is an open tomb. Uh, You know, we went to a ball game this week. It was all I could do. Uh, I really couldn't do anything about it. I did, did ask one person to watch their language. But the, the filthy language around us was, was, was surprising. Shouldn't have been. Uh, you know what it means? Their throat is an open tomb. It, 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 that literally means like an open grave. Try after you put a body in a grave for a week or two going in. And I know we got embalming stuff, but, you know, you open that. Whoa, the stench. That's what it's talking about. Our throats are like that, friends. Filth comes out of our mouth. It says, with their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Friends, uh, the reality is we're all liars at heart. We will lie to protect ourselves. We will lie because we think that's what other people want to hear. We will lie about being a liar. says, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. I talked about this already a little bit there, but, but let me ask you a question. Uh, what is the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you smash your thumb with a hammer? Praise Jesus. I doubt it, right? That's not the first thing. You know what I think of when I, when, you know, I, when, when, I hope it's not a curse word, but that, that's the temptation, amen? Uh, how many of you remember Yosemite Sam from the cartoon way back, you know, you know, remember that? You know, uh, I, that's what I think of. He's just kind of grumping around. That's kind of how we are, friends, because it's, it's cursing that, that is the first thing that comes out of our mouth when things like that happen. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. What I already talked about it. What's our natural inclination when somebody hurts us? Hurt them back. We have to be taught not to do that. Friends, listen, if other, somebody else wants to fight, by golly, we'll fight. And unless we've been taught otherwise, friends, our natural tendency is to do what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. Verse 17 says, In the way of peace they have not known, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Friends, I think we look around our world today and we see that, amen? Without people, without being in Christ, friends, people don't have any concern for what God thinks. They just do what they want to do. It is, it is like the time of the judges when, when everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that describes, friends, the depth of our depravity, the depth of our sinfulness. Most people today think of themselves as a good person, but the reality is, friends, that we are all naturally selfish, self-centered, and morally bankrupt people. But, Pastor, that's not me. Maybe you, Pastor, but I'm not like that. Ah, yeah, I've sinned. Now, most people admit they've sinned, right? Oh, yeah, I've sinned, Pastor, but I'm not that bad. You know what we tend to do? 
we tend to put ourselves on a scale of sinners. Right? That's what we tend to do. You know, okay, so if God's perfect righteousness is up here, you know, if that's, that's being perfect, I know I'm not perfect, but so maybe I'm right here. Okay? And, and then, then, then maybe we put Bill Clinton here and Donald Trump here. Okay? Or depending on your political affiliation, maybe you reverse those two and so forth. Okay? And then somewhere down here, uh, some of you, Mark, you're going to have, have to look this one up on Google. Um, some people, maybe Jeffrey Dahmer, okay, the Unabomber down here, Hitler, way down here at the bottom, okay? Um, put whatever. We have this, they have this scale of, of sin that we in our minds tend to put it on. We think, I'm not that bad, friends. But what Scripture is telling us here, and if we will be honest with ourselves, friends, is this. We are all sinners who are caught and desperate in our sin. We'll talk about this in a minute, friends, but there's nothing we can do for ourselves, friends. We are in a pit that is too deep to climb out of. Um, we tend to think of ourselves as not that bad, but here's what James chapter 2, verse 10 says. It says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So you can keep the whole law, and if, 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 if you could really get right up there under God and you just sin once like that, like that could happen. He says we're still guilty of all. Uh, how many murders does somebody have to commit before they become a murderer? How many lies does somebody have to tell before they're a liar? Can we all admit that we are egregious sinners before God? Until we realize that, until we're willing to admit that, that true condition of our heart, until we are acknowledged the depth of the hole that we're in without God, friends, we will, we will never be able to get right with him until we admit that, friends, and we will continue to think that God and the world owes us something. I want you to listen to what Dr. Donald Barnhouse said. He said, it is only stubborn pride that keeps man from the confession to God that would bring release. But it is that way that he refuses to take. Man stands before God today like a little boy who swears with crying and tears that he has not been anywhere near the jelly jar. And who with an air of outraged innocence pleads the justice of his position. Never been there. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. In total ignorance of the fact that a good spoonful of jelly has fallen on his shirt, he says, and is plainly visible for all to see. Friends, until we're willing to admit what is blatantly obvious to others and especially to God, we will by no means be able to rise above those everyday problems we face. We will continue to be stuck in the miry clay of our sin until we're willing to acknowledge it before an almighty God. Number two. The second truth, friends, we must embrace in order to get a proper perspective is this, friends. It is the inability to be good enough on our own. It is the inability to be good enough on our own. Now, most of us realize that we're sinners. But we think we can do something about that. We think by trying harder, by having a can-do attitude, we can do better. Um, friends, sometimes in order to get to where we need to be and where we want to be, we need to be willing to admit the truth. Amen? We need to be willing to admit that we can't do it on our own. Friends, I think I can goes only as far as you have the ability to do. 
The scripture here talks about that. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 and 20 kind of sums up the condition that we find ourselves as human beings. Verse 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. So whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, which is whom? It's everybody. It's everybody, both Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile. And in case you didn't realize that, you fall into one of those two categories. Either you have Jewish heritage or you don't. And so you fall into one of those categories, but it applies here at all. Whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, look at what it says here, that every mouth may be stopped. You know, I think some people think they get to heaven and they're going to argue with God. That they're going to argue their way into heaven and they're going to state their case. But God, but, but, but God, yeah, I did this, God, but I also did this. God, doesn't this count for something? You know, God, I, 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 I took care of my family. I, I treated, treated my family well. I, I, I did this. I did, friends, listen, here's what it says is that we're all, it says that, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Friends, the reality is when we stand before God, there's going to be no arguing. We're all going to stand guilty and we're going to know we're guilty if you, we don't already. We stand guilty before a holy God and we stand um, uh, deserving Friends, of a death sentence. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That means, what do we, a wage is something we earn. You go to work and you earn a wage, friends. So, what do we earn for our sin? The Bible says, is death, eternal separation from God. It is the fact that, that, that every single one of us is going to die. And what does the scripture say? And after that comes the judgment. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that, the judgment, friends. So we're all going to stand before God. We're all going to be guilty in our sin. None of us are going to be able to argue our way out of that, friends. And we are, uh, uh, we're not going to be able to argue with him at all. We're all going to stand guilty. Verse 20. So is there something we can do about that? Is there something, can I make up for my sin? A lot of people think that, 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 that there's a cosmic scale and that God is going to put our good works on one side and our bad works on the other. And that he's going to weigh our good works and our bad works. And you know what? If our good works weigh a little bit more than our bad, then God's going to let us into heaven. I've already shared this with you. James chapter 2 says, For he who is guilty in one point of the law is guilty in all. So, friends, it's not a matter of doing more good than bad and hoping that just you tip the scales a little bit. Friends, we all have tipped the scales all the way in the negative side. And there's nothing we can do about that. Look at verse 20. It says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law... No flesh will be justified in his sight, or no flesh can be made right with God in his sight. So it's not by our works. It's not by trying to do good things that we can be righteous. You say, well, then what's the purpose of the law? It says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So what does God's law do? God's law points out, friends, that we are sinners. Because before we can be saved and right with God, we first have to realize that we're not. And so you say, well, pastor, and that's why a lot of people today, they just, they want to, they want to set the Bible aside. They want to say, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in God's law. I don't believe in the 10 commandments and therefore I can go do whatever I want. And friends, uh, listen, God allows mankind to, to do his own thing for a season. But what the scripture here says is that, what does it say? Whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that all the world will stand guilty before God. Friends, the, the reality is that we, that we can't 
argue our way out of it, friends. Whether we believe the Bible or not, it is God's law. He is our creator, and he is, uh, he is the one who sets the rules. And we can try all we want. We can give all the effort we, we, we think we can give, friends. But we are going to fall short of his standard. And there's nothing we can do of our own to make up for that. Here's what someone is liking this to. Uh, let me kind of relate how desperate our situation is. Someone's liking this. Imagine that all of us, every single one of us, all 200 some odd folks here this morning, uh, we were on a, a deserted island out in the middle of the ocean. And in order to survive, we needed to get to the mainland. We put our heads together. We start thinking there's limited resources there. There's no plane. There's no boat. There's nothing like that. Somebody comes up with a bright idea. Aha! Let's try to jump. Now, we know that sounds silly and so forth. It's a lot like what somebody might say when they think they can earn their way to heaven. Um, The reality is there are some in here that are pretty athletic. Um, Mike Edwards, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike's, Mike's an athlete, you know, he, he, he can jump, was, was, okay, all right, Ga- Gavin, where, where's Gavin, Gavin Taylor, you know, uh, he's an athlete, he can, you know, so, some of you that are more athletic could, could run, maybe jump, you know, one of the world's best, athlete, best athletes could jump what, maybe 25 feet, some of you, maybe you're, well, maybe this is you, Mike, you're in, in pretty good shape, Maybe not 25 feet, but maybe you can go from the 10 to 15 range. I'd like to think I could do that, right? Probably the rest of us, maybe we could jump 5, 10 feet, 3 feet, 2 feet. (laughs) About it. I don't even know I can get off the ground, Pastor. (laughs) 25 feet is an awful lot more than 2 feet. Right? So when we compare ourselves to each other, we say, oh, wow, look me, I'm so much better than so-and-so. But in scope of where jumping all the way to the mainland, it's so far. Friends, our sin is like that. Our sin has separated us so far from God. There is no way we can make up for our sin on our own. There's nothing we can do about that on our own. But guess what? There's good news. I told you to hold on to point three, right? Yes, pastor, and I'm hanging in here. Okay, listen, we understand, our, we, we understand the depth of our depravity. We understand our inability to, to be good enough on our own. What's the good news? The good news, friends, is, is number three. And that is our utter dependence on the grace of God. Friends, we, have, we, have, we find ourselves in the bottom of a pit, the bottom of a hundred-foot pit. We cannot climb to the top. We can't get out on our own. The only way, the only hope we have is for somebody to come, let a rope down, to come down and to get us and to save us. Let me tell you, that's what Jesus has done for us. Look at verse 21 says, but now, 
So we just got through. He just talked to us about how uh, we can't be saved by works. It's not by our own righteousness. It's not by works of the law that, that we will be justified. Verse 21 says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. What? There's a way to be right with God apart from the law? Yes. The righteousness of God, God's way of righteousness apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, okay? He's saying, listen, this is what all that was leading to. Even the righteousness of God, and here he goes, here he tells it, drum roll please, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, how can we be saved? How can we be right with God, friends? It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and who is that available to? Look at what he says. He says, to all and on all who believe. So if you're willing to simply believe that Jesus did what he said he did for you, you say, well, pastor, what's that? Well, let's read on. He sums, sums up what we, what we talked about a few minutes. He says, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the pit together. Amen? But we are justified, verse 24, justified, that we're justified. We've seen it a couple of times. It means made right with God just as if you've never sinned. How can that happen, Pastor? How? Maybe a word that might help is pardoned. Being justified or pardoned freely doesn't cost you anything. It's free. How? By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, we are saved by grace through faith. In other words, it is not anything that we do, but it is simply by the gracious act of God being willing to send Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. That even though we are sinners and we don't deserve it, and, and we are find ourselves in a pit, friends, God has come down into the pit and is willing to pull us out and give us abundant life now and eternal life forevermore if we will simply allow him to. That's good news, amen? That's good news. I love this. We're not going to go a whole lot further here, but he says, um, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. I love that word. Um, it's a theological word there, propitiation. It simply means this, that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God against sin. You see, we already talked about this this morning, but the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, I, because we are sinners, because we are not just little bitty sinners, we're huge sinners, we deserve uh, eternal death. We deserve punishment for our sin. Uh, we deserve the, the wrath of God against sin. But the Bible also tells us that God loved us so much that he didn't want to do that, so he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus took our punishment for us. He took the wrath of God upon sin for us. That we may be his children. That we may have our names written in the book of life. That's good news, amen? All we have to do, friends, is believe it and receive it. We have to accept it and say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you did that for me. I trust you. Please come into my life and save me. The Bible says, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Friends, that's the good news. It reminds me of a couple of, um, uh, of things that we've seen in the news over the past couple of years. Um, how many of you remember, this has actually been, I can't believe it's been 2010. How many of you remember the Chilean mining incident? Accident? Remember that? Uh, several years ago, there were 33 miners became trapped 2,300 feet underground and three miles from the mine's entrance when a section of the mine collapsed. Um, they were... They were in desperate situation. There was no way for them to get out. There was no way out. So what did they have to do? It actually took 69 days and lots of drilling and boring to get through to even see if they were still alive and to actually rescue those men and bring them out. It reminds me of, I think it was just last year, maybe, again, my sense of time sometimes. Remember the Thai soccer team and their coach that got trapped in the, in, in the cave? You know, they just went for a little cave walk, and it was, happened to be right around monsoon season. And heavy rains came and flooded the cave before they could get out. Friends, there was so much water rising in the cave that there was no way they could get out on their own. It was even feared that they wouldn't make it at all. So, so, so what, what, what did they do? There was nothing they could do. They had to hope and pray that somebody else would come in and save them. Because there was a huge effort, over 10,000 people, 100 divers, many others. It was a worldwide effort, friends. And finally, the boys and the coach were rescued. Both the Chilean mine incident and, and, and in the, with the Thai soccer team, friends, there was nothing they could do to save themselves. Somebody else had to come and save them. Friends, God is offering you today salvation. Free and clear. You say, Pastor, really that easy? Well, it's the easiest, hardest thing you ever do. Um, it is easy and it is free. It is available to all. What do we have to do? We simply have to receive him, say we believe and trust, be willing to turn from our sin and trust in Christ. If you're willing to do that, guess what? The Bible says... Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, friends, I want to encourage you to do that. Friends, we cannot save ourselves. We are utterly dependent upon the grace of God for our salvation. And God will save you. He will give you a new life. He will give you a, a, a fresh start, friends. He will wipe your slate clean for now and forevermore. You say, Pastor, you just don't know what I've done. Friends, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. Remember what the Bible says? The Bible says he who's guilty at one point is guilty in all, guilty of all. So we're all guilty of all. We all stand guilty. If God offers us forgiveness, he offers it to all. All who will freely come to him and, 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 and come to him and, and trust in him for salvation. Friends, you can know for certain. Some people say, Pastor, is there, is there life after death? What's, what happens after that? Friends, yes, there's life after death. The Bible says we go one of two places, either heaven or hell. We deserve hell, but God wants to give us heaven. But we must put our faith and trust in him. We must receive, believe and receive him as our Savior. I want to invite you to do that this morning. Now, let me get back to what we started talking about this morning at the very beginning, our attitudes. How does, this, how does this relate to our attitudes? You know, stuff happens in our life and, ah! You know, I don't know if, if many of you like to watch superhero movies, but 
You know, at the end of us, most superhero movies, um, you know, the superhero, whoever it is, defeats the bad guy. Or the group of superheroes defeat the bad guys. Whatever it is. And, and, and at the end, there, there's usually, after they, they defeat them and so forth, there's usually a lot of celebration, right? Yay! So excited! And then, and then after that, right, then there's, then there's this, this scene, a lot of times where there's kind of, it's eerily calm, where everybody is, everybody's happy. <gasps> Yay, we're saved. No more. And everybody's so grateful just to be alive, right? If, if you've got a picture of some scene in your mind, and, and here's the thing, usually when that scene is going on and everybody's so happy to just be alive and everybody's so grateful and so forth, usually you look around them, there's all destruction everywhere. <laughs> Why are they happy to be? They have perspective. They have perspective. I wish I could say that I could stand up here and I could wave a magic wand and it would take away every problem you have. Now, we pray for God to intervene. We pray for God to work in our lives. Listen, when we follow God's word, we have less problems than when we don't. But here's the deal. Nobody can take away all your problems, friends, but Jesus Christ can give you peace in the midst of the storm. When all that stuff's going on around you, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember the depth of your depravity. Remember how desperate you were, friends. Remember the fact that there's nothing you could do to save yourself. And if you put your faith and trust in Christ now, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember it is by the grace of God that you are a child of his. It is by the grace of God, friends, that your name, the Bible says, is already written in heaven if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. It it, it says that he has already, friends, already uh, got things prepared for you. And it is beyond anything and everything you could ever imagine. Friends, that gives us perspective. Amen? I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, I don't know what, what all is going on in the lives of everybody that's here today. But Lord, I do know that life happens. The difficulties happens and happen and problems happen, Lord. Lord, for those who are here that know you as their Lord and Savior, they've trusted you, Lord. I, I just lift them up to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will bring them back to the cross, Lord, that you'll bring them back to understanding the great magnitude, Lord, of what their salvation means. To be grateful for that, to be grateful for what you've done in their lives, Lord. Be grateful how you saved them. Lord, for those who are here this morning who maybe don't have that security, who don't have that assurance, Lord. It is as simple as saying yes to you. Friend, if you're here this morning, God extends that invitation to you. He invites you to come. To come to the cross. To come to his altar. To be willing to admit that you can't do it on your own. To be willing to admit that You're a sinner in need of salvation. And to believe that Jesus is your Savior. Friends, if you're here this morning and that is you. It is as simple as simply inviting Christ into your life. And praying something like this. If you're here this morning and that's your desire of your heart. I just want to invite you right there in your seat. Just between you and God. Pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father. 
I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm in need of you as my Savior. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave to give me new life. Jesus, please come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Please take me to heaven when I die. I put my faith and trust forever in you. Friends, if that is the desire of your heart, if you pray, just pray that prayer. We celebrate with you the fact that you have gone from death to life and you have now become a believer in Jesus Christ. You've become a Christian. Friends, I'd love to celebrate that with you. I want to invite you to just come share with me this morning what you've done. Now we all can have that perspective. What God has done for us, we're going to spend eternity with him. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for how you work in our lives, Lord. I ask you to continue to work. Those, those here this morning, Lord, are struggling with this, wrestling, Lord. Is this true? Is it not? Lord, reveal yourself to them. It's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you, if you will. We're going to sing one last song this morning. This is our song of decision. So I want to invite you, if you will, just to stand with me, if you will. Uh, I'm going to be up here at the front. Pastor Mark's going to be here. If you have a decision that you've made this morning, I'd love, love for you to share that with us. Maybe you can share it on your Connect card here in a few minutes, whatever it is. Our altar is open if you'd like to come and just pray to the Lord this morning. Grab one of us. You'd like for us to pray with you, whatever it is, friends. I want to invite you to come. Respond to the Lord as we sing this morning.